welcome back to another episode of Brewers Babes, a Milwaukee Brewers and baseball fan podcast for babes by babes. I'm Erin. I'm Lisa. And before we dive into today's episode, we wanted to take a moment to express our gratitude to you, our listeners. You all are amazing and we appreciate you so much. And Erin and I try to be so intentional about making baseball accessible to you and keeping this podcast fun. And we know that there are a million podcasts out there. So the fact that you listen to us over and over again is is everything to us. So if you've been enjoying Brewers Babes, please take one minute out of your day to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or give us a shout out on social media. We're on Twitter at Brewers Babes or we're on Instagram at Brewers underscore Babes. We really love your feedback. Your support absolutely fuels our passion for making this beautiful sport and wonderful team accessible and fun for everybody. Okay, now back to regularly scheduled programs, Aaron. <laughs> so spring training games are underway. So, of course, we're excited to talk about who and what we're seeing on the field in Phoenix. But before we get into that, we want to dig into a topic in baseball that's been hot this past year, which is the cost of stadium renovations and rebuilds and how that funding affects teams, cities, taxpayers, and fans. So we've seen the A's decide to move their team. We saw the Brewers threaten to leave until the state agreed to give up half a billion dollars in public funding. And most recently, the Royals have proposed to relocate Kauffman Stadium to downtown Kansas City, which comes with a $2 billion price tag. So here to talk about that with us today is Royals fan and Kansas City resident Vicky. So thank you so much for being here. Absolutely. I'm so excited to be on the podcast. I'm a big fan and I love what you all are doing to um, just add to the community of, of the Brewers. Thanks. Yeah. Um, so before we talk about stadium funding, just um, let's get to know you a little bit. Um, you live in the Kansas City area and you're a Royals fan, but you actually grew up in Wisconsin, right? Yes, I grew up in Milwaukee and um, partially in northern Wisconsin for about five years and moved to Kansas City when I was 16. So tell us about um, your connection to baseball. Then, were you, So were you a Brewers fan to begin with when you were living in Milwaukee? Absolutely. I have been a baseball fan and a baseball player since before I can remember. I grew up in a diehard baseball family. My dad was a minor league player in um, the Phillies franchise when he was right out of high school. Um, so he you know, really raised us on baseball. It was probably the most talked about topic in our household. I was a hardcore Brewers fan as a kid. I um, actually have a Paul Molitor rookie card that was signed, but it is signed in purple pen um, because that was the only pen I could find in the rec room at our church because I actually <laughs> went to church with Paul Molitor when I was like five years old. Whoa. Um, so yes, love the Brewers, um, lived through the hell that was the Brewers in the 90s, um, particularly the late 90s. And then moved to Kansas City in 2000 and got to go through the hell that was the 2000s <laughs> Royal. <laughs> so my, my fandom is, is not based on going to the postseason or winning games or winning World Series. It's really about the game itself. And um, like I said, I, I grew up as a player. I was one of those girls who played baseball until the absolute last moment where they kicked me out and said, now, now you play softball. Um, and I still play in softball leagues to this day. What position do you play? I'm a catcher. Cool. The most important position on the field is what I'm told from other catchers. 
Yes. Um, <laughs> we all feel that very strongly. Although I play slow pitch softball now in a queer rec league. Like we're like, like beer level, like league and in slow pitch catchers don't do much of anything. And I still <laughs> think I'm the most important person <laughs> on the field. <laughs> So when you moved to Kansas City, was that just transition to the Royals fandom because that's that's the team that's available? And do you go to a lot of games? And I used to go to more games than I do now. When we first moved down here, we came down for a job that my dad had been offered. And it was between that job and a job out in the East Coast. And the reason we came to Kansas City, neither of us had ever spent any time down here. And I was the last kid left in the house. It was just him and me who moved here. And the deciding factor on the jobs was that the job in Kansas City offered him season tickets to the Royals. So the first thing we did when we came down, the first week that we moved here before I started school my junior year, is we went to the Royals game basically every day that week. Um, And so, you know, I still I still love the Brewers. I still love it when I get to see games on TV, which is, you know, you know, is harder and harder to do. But just the ability to root for a team that has so much spirit and so much love for the community um, and such poor performance really just, (laughs) you know, filled a a place in my heart that was, was empty when I left Wisconsin. (laughs) (laughs) I totally get that. Definitely identify with that. As far as the stadium relocation. So the Royals are planning to build a new stadium in the crossroads neighborhood of downtown Kansas city. And this would take up 18 acres of land and cost about $2 billion dollars. Half of that's going to be funded privately, and the other half would be relying on a revenue generated from extending a county sales tax. And so I've heard mixed reactions to moving the stadium from Truman Sports Complex to downtown Kansas City. A lot of people are talking about accessibility, being able to get to it, that that driving out there is difficult. It makes it inaccessible to to fans because it's you have to have a car to get there. But obviously, it's a really controversial um, you know, topic to move it into an existing neighborhood. So what are what are your thoughts on the relocation? How are how are you feeling on it? So I think it's interesting that we're in a situation right now where accessibility of the sports complex is something that folks are using as a reason that we need to move when um, the city itself is the reason we can't access our own stadiums. When I was a teenager and in my 20s, when I was a college student in Kansas City, it was very easy to hop on the bus and go see a Royals game. You pay a dollar for your bus fare and seven bucks for, you know, nosebleed tickets. And it wasn't a problem. I mean, yes, the Kansas city bus system is, and always has been a giant nightmare, um, especially if you rely on it as a major form of transportation, but those bus lines were cut over and over and over again. And now you cannot take the bus to the Royal stadium. And so now being in a position where that is being used as a sounding bite, you know, for folks who are trying to get the the stadium to move downtown when that was a, a calculated decision. And particularly, it was a calculated decision when they added the downtown streetcar. They cut the bus lines to be able to pay for a free 
20 block streetcar that is used almost exclusively by tourists. Why are you so, talking about Milwaukee? <laughs> right? I know. About <laughs> Very similar community. So I think we can definitely agree on that. And so it's really frustrating because this isn't something that has always been the case and it isn't something that just happened. These were decisions that were made by policymakers. These were decisions being made by um in, in part by the Royals ownership to get us to a place where now it seems unreasonable to maintain the current location, according to the people who already want us to move. I'm not in favor of, of moving our stadium downtown specifically to the location that they have identified. I think there's a long history in all major league sports of building stadiums on the backs of people's homes and businesses. And as somebody who has spent my entire adulthood in this community, and I have seen the crossroads go from a place that was first considered an artist community full of lofts and spaces where artists could live and work affordably to a space that has been highly gentrified and that the artists whose paintings are hanging in the gallery walls can't afford to live anywhere near that neighborhood. And now it is moving in direction where the people who have put their their life's work and their livelihoods into the businesses in the crossroads are potentially going to be just kicked to the curb with absolutely no compensation so that we can have a downtown stadium in a space where we cannot fit it. It, it just won't fit. There is another location that could have been available not far away that was just empty parking lots and not even being used. So it's not like there's nowhere else that they could put it. And this reminds me of when when they added the power and light district in 2008, which if you're not familiar, this is like a, a giant entertainment district that they put in the same area, which Kansas city already has its own unique identity from stuff that has grown there on its own. I mean, the jazz scene, the art scene, it, it already has things going on. And then they move in and, and put in this giant artificial entertainment district. And now, and now that's why they, that's one of the reasons why they're saying they want to put the stadium there is because it will be near to that entertainment district. And now we're going to build a stadium district. And to me, it's like constantly pushing away things that make Kansas city unique and special in its own way. You know what I mean? Absolutely. And you're, you're right. Power and light came in and I can't think of a single business within power and light. I'm sure there are a few that I can't think of, but I can't think of any that are local restaurants, local bars. Um, they're almost all chain restaurants. And a lot of them came in and, and already had a significant impact on the homegrown businesses that were just down the street. I mean, the Crossroads is an entertainment district. They didn't need another one inside of it. Right, right. Do you think that because this we've seen this happen over and over again, stadium after stadium, they come up with a plan in advance and then start building a narrative around why they need to build where they want to build instead of where it actually might make sense to build. They, they spend years like building up this narrative while they're tearing down public transit, while they're like figuring out how to further decimate neighborhoods. Because this has been going on for a long time in so many places, where is the Royals fandom in like knowing what is happening? So that's the tough thing about this proposed move 
and the situation that we're in is that it does feel like the voters who are being asked to come to the polls in April and decide whether or not we are going to approve an extension of this sales tax, we're really behind the eight ball compared to the people who are making these plans. Mm -hmm. And I, I hate to assume this, but it does feel pretty intentional. There's not been enough time to organize an active no vote campaign um, to get ads out or even yard signs because you know, we're having to go to the polls to vote on this in April. And I, I say that as someone, I have voted for every sales tax to help cover the cost of Kauffman Stadium, all of the renovations, the vote we had back in 06, I think we had another one um, and we had renovations back in 2010. We have been a community that has financially supported this baseball team and the stadium that we have for a very, very long time and proudly so. And now we're being asked to renew this tax under the guise of a downtown stadium. But we don't even actually know if that's what's happening with the money. The vote is not for the downtown stadium. And so if the vote passes in April, they could choose to build the location where they've proposed. They could choose to build it elsewhere or they could come straight out and say, oh, you know what? Actually, it's not going to work, so we're going to move. Because that's the other thing that's been a part of this is threats to move either across state line over to Kansas or to, to leave Kansas City entirely. And so the narrative we're hearing from the, the yes campaign is very much, if you want to keep the Royals, you need to vote yes. And it does feel like we're being a little bit coerced and, and threatened with the loss of our baseball team if we don't allow them to tear down buildings and businesses that have been there for ages um, and that really make our city the, the place that it is. It does ring so familiar because this all just happened in Milwaukee, with the exception of we didn't actually get to vote on it. It just kind of happened. But the same sort of situation where we know that they were building something behind closed doors for much longer and they were figuring out how they were going to try to sell it. And then it happened real fast. Mm -hmm. And there was not a lot of time to put any sort of momentum behind a pushback. And mm -hmm. I think what we heard was like, you know, this is in the lease. You have to like we agreed when we built Miller Park to do stadium repairs and the roof needs replacing in some parts and blah, blah, blah. People are like it's in the lease. You agreed to it. You have to do it. First of all, I didn't sign that lease <laughs> like 20 years ago. Nobody who's in office signed that lease. Second of all, that lease has not been made public. Even the lawmakers haven't been able to read it. Like the people who voted on it weren't able to read the lease itself. So nobody actually knows. They're just assuming that what people are saying about it is true. So like you say that you don't want to make the assumption, but I think you should feel free to go ahead and make the assumption that like they don't have the best interests of the city in mind. Right. And what I think is so interesting, and I know that this is this concept is typical, but like the way they've laid it out is like, OK, well, the royals are going to provide a, a billion dollars in private funding to buy the land. And then Jackson County will pay to build the stadium and then they'll own it. So Jackson County will own the stadium. The Royals will lease it from them. And the concept of the the city or the county owning the prop, the not the property, but the what's mm -hmm. built on it 
and that the the team can rent from it, that just makes me nervous because you're going to come in, you're going to demolish a neighborhood, you're going to move out homes and businesses, you're going to buy this land, and then and then you don't actually have any investment in what happens in the community once that lease is up. And so in, I mean, I think they're talking like a 30 year lease. So in 30 years, when that lease comes up, they can be like, you know what? We also need this, 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 or we're going to fucking move. And then they move out and they leave behind them an empty stadium with no team and a neighborhood that's been demolished. I know that's the typical arrangement, but I don't like it because every time that lease comes up, they make demands and they threaten to leave. And everybody's doing it. The A's did it. The Brewers did it. The Orioles were doing it. The Diamondbacks are talking about it. Like every single team, their leases are all coming up and they're all using that same threat. And just knowing that that's what the arrangement is going to be, like the Royals will own the land, but the county will own the stadium. Ugh, gives me just like Nick vibes, you know? It gives me Nick vibes as well, especially hearing what you're saying, Lisa, about coming back and be like, well, you're responsible for these repairs. If we own the building, I would imagine anytime there's repairs, suddenly, again, it becomes our responsibility. And I don't love the idea that it's the entire state of Wisconsin paying for this. And on the flip side, I'm kind of jealous because we don't have anyone to share this responsibility with. And and Aaron knows this really well growing up in this area. But you go to Kauffman Stadium, the majority of people sitting in those seats do not live in Jackson County, let alone Kansas City. We have a seven-county two-state metro area. The majority of the money in the Kansas City metro area sits inside of Kansas. So if you look around at you know the, the season ticket holders, at people who are in the dugout suites, those folks likely do not live in Kansas City, Missouri. They are not voting on this and they are not paying for this. And so they will be able to continue to you know, get the benefits of coming over into Missouri and watching a great game. And if the stadium is downtown, it'll be even easier because then they can hop on, you know, park 20 blocks away and hop on the free streetcar that we also (laughs) paid for um, to go over into that area. And our county will simultaneously be paying for it and losing a significant amount of money in property taxes from the buildings and the businesses that will no longer be present in that neighborhood. That is kind of how it is in Wisconsin, too, because the state pitched in, but there's a heavier burden from the city and county of Milwaukee specifically. So, like, absolutely the same thing. We have people coming in from all outside of Milwaukee County doing the the same sort of thing. And I I think it's important to acknowledge I love a downtown stadium. (laughs) You know, as much as I hate the Cardinals, I love that you can go to St. Louis and, you know, walk from your hotel over to the stadium and, and go watch the Royals try and beat them um, during <laughs> interleague play. But um, I think it's a great concept if you're going to do it with a long-term plan or if it's going to start downtown and then you build around it. But it's really hard to watch the conversations that are happening right now between fans of the game and fans of the team and the people whose actual lives depend on the businesses down there. So this was one of the things that I wanted to share with you all, because I think it's really, it's really devastating. And no one seems to really be talking about it right now is that when eminent domain takes away buildings, there is a requirement that they compensate the building owners. Business owners do not own their buildings for the most part. 
So we have dozens and dozens of business owners who are paying rent, rent that they can barely afford to begin with, who have invested tens, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars into their small businesses, and they will not see a dime. Their leases will be broken. All of the money they've put into hanging light fixtures and and putting furniture into those buildings and, and all of just the investment that you make to be able to start a business, absolutely no compensation is being offered to those business owners. The only way that they will get compensated for losing their livelihoods is if the royals decide out of the goodness of their corporate hearts to give extra money to the business owners. They are only legally obligated in eminent domain to pay the building owners. So unless the law itself changes to be like, you have to pay out your tenants for this too, they're not going to get anything. In fact, they're probably going to be paying for it because they're still paying a sales tax to live in the city and the county. And they'll still be responsible for their small business loans. Right. Yeah. Right. A lot of what I hear you say about the area that it is being proposed in is ha- sounds like it has been intentional about building community. And this is what one of the things that I love about what baseball can do for people and for a city is just build community together. I mean, that's what like that's what we do here, right? That's why we started this podcast is to build a broader community of baseball fans. It's what a lot of these stadium districts who have been intentional are doing. And it sounds like um, the Royals are not really taking what the community looks like and feels like for their own fan base into consideration for this at all. I would completely agree with that. And it's really hard because as someone who, who loves the sport and who loves my team, I was so optimistic when we got new ownership and we were being told that these were folks who were primarily based in Kansas city, who were ready to invest in that community, who were part of our community. And I feel different about spring training right now. I feel different about getting ready for opening day, knowing that so much of the energy that was brought with this new ownership to this team, instead of being focused on developing the team and the players and getting us the the tools we need and spending the money on payroll that we were promised would be spent is now all that energy is being focused on this relocation And we don't even know if it's going to happen, where it's going to happen, how it's going to happen. And it just, it makes, I think, a lot of folks in our community lose faith in our team. And it's really, it's really sad. If you could ask or make an ask for Royals fans, or is it, is it a vote for Kansas City? Is it a vote for the county? It's Jackson County. Jackson County. Okay. What's your ask for folks who live in Jackson County then? My first ask would be to vote no um, on the sales tax renewal. And that's hard to say because again, I, I love I love giving my money to this team. I, I want them to have a good <laughs> facility and I wish I wish they could take that sales tax money and continue to invest in Kauffman Stadium. 
Um, but then I would say kind of a second ask is if the tax goes through, start talk, talking to your neighbors, start raising awareness about the needs of the business owners. I think a lot of folks have resigned themselves to, to this is just going to happen no matter what. And we just have to give up and, and acknowledge that these businesses are going to be gone. And if that happens, we need to put pressure on the city and we need to put pressure on the Royals organization to pay out the tenants of those businesses, of those buildings, to make sure that it's not just developers and building owners who are getting compensated for losing their homes, losing the places that they work. You know, one of my best friends owns a liquor store and a bar. Um, it's a combination liquor store and bar in the crossroads, and it is directly in the path of the new stadium. It will be gone as soon as the new stadium comes. And the way I met these friends who own this place is when we hosted the All-Star Game in 2012 in Kansas City, they were season ticket holders. So they had access to be able to purchase um, a certain number of tickets to the All-Star Game. And so they bought the tickets and then they had a couple of friends um, who couldn't make it. So they asked a mutual friend, hey, do you know anyone who are big baseball fans who might want our two extra tickets to the all-star game. And she immediately said, yeah, you have to call Vicky and Justin. I think you've met them before, but you know, just in passing, that was how we became friends was going to the all-star game with them. Two people we'd barely met before. And we have, we have traveled out of the country together since then we have, they live a block away from us now. I mean, they're, near and dear to our hearts. They're the biggest Royals fans I have ever known in my life. And they have spent decades of their lives building to a place where they could open their dream store. And they had a hard enough time. They opened in November of 2019. Mm -hmm. They survived the pandemic and they survived the pandemic as a brand new business because of the Crossroads community walking in the front door and supporting them and, and buying bizarre, fancy wines that you can only buy there. That is the reason that they were able to make it through that pandemic as a brand new business. And, and to see them potentially lose everything, their whole life savings for a team that they love who's walking them over. And I feel like a major betrayal. Yeah. I mean, we feel sorts of betrayed by the brewers all the time, but not like not like this. that. No. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And that's the funny thing. I was listening to your your episode, you know, when you were talking about Craig Council and and the feeling of like, this is where we're comfortable. We're comfortable as Brewers fans never never getting the next thing, right? Like always feeling slightly snubbed and disappointed. And I feel like there's a lot of camaraderie with Royals fans in that is we just, you know, it's, it's, we get one great player and then we sign them for far longer than they should be signed for. (laughs) And we lose out on 10 people. And, you know, in the meantime, and it's that feeling of like, we can't ever quite get to that next place. And you always feel slightly betrayed and slightly like the redheaded stepchild of the MLB. Mm -hmm. Um, but there's something actually really beautiful in sharing that feeling with other Royals fans mm-hmm. and to be a part of this weird fan base that, you know, besides 2014 and 2015, it has just been devastating forever. 
and you're all in it together. And this is the first time since I became a Royals fan where I felt like we weren't all in it together. Yeah. That sucks. Remind the listeners what day the vote is in April. The vote is on April 2nd. And does your state have same-day voter registration, or do you have to register to be a voter ahead of time? You have to register to be a voter ahead of time. How far ahead? 27 days ahead of time. To register to vote in Missouri to be able to vote in the April 2nd election, you would need to have your registration postmarked by March 6th. And then for us who are not able to vote in this election, what should we do for you and help preserve this community and the fandom take to social media spread the word highlight the businesses that are being impacted we keep seeing maps and it's so convenient that none of the existing businesses are on those maps (sighs) and so you know being able to highlight and tag businesses like the pairing um like chartreuse um like the new green dirt farms building that's that's just now opening up um highlight those businesses what they bring to our community Show them love on social media and talk to your friends who live in Kansas City. Um, I think that's the best thing we can do right now. And when you do that, tag the Royals. All right. We'll do it. Yeah. Whenever we see any of those stories or see any of those businesses tagged, we will definitely share them. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for talking with us. Yes, thank you for having me on. And again, thank you for all that you are doing for gals in baseball. Yeah, this was really good to talk to you. I know it's it seems like hard to be a diehard Royals fan right now, but I do hope you're excited about Bobby Witt Jr. Yes. <laughs> like that's one of those things like when you're a small fandom like that and you make that initial big signing, something that you can all revel in and just like hope for. Like 90 per, 95% of our fandom, I feel like, is just hoping mm-hmm. for something great like that to happen. Yeah. So. We love Bobby Witt Jr. Um, we love the New Deal. Um, and, you know, I'm excited to see what our still fairly new manager is going to do with, you know, a pretty young team. So, We'll see what 2024 holds. Um, If we don't lose 100 games, I'll be thrilled. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Bye, y'all. All All right. Thanks so much. Bye, Vicky. Well, there was a lot of stuff I didn't know. I mean, I knew it was like a bad deal because most of these are usually just bad deals. But I did not know the level of decimation that was going to occur. Yeah. I mean... How would you know? We're only getting one side of the narrative here. You know what I mean? We're only getting the royal side of it. We're only getting the, we're getting a flashy new ballpark. Compensating is crumbling. We're moving it downtown so everyone can come to it. It's going to be this beautiful, glittering entertainment district right next to the other glittering entertainment district. Like we're only getting one side of it. So, yeah. And look, is it crumbling? How do you go from hosting an all star game? And then 14 years later, you're like, oh, you know, crumbling infrastructure here. It's can't the concrete. It. You, you can't build a stadium that lasts 12 years past hosting an all-star game? No, man. They're not designed to last because how else could they yank our chains like this? Right, right. If they were built to last, they wouldn't get a billion dollars out of Jackson County. I knew my they dishwasher was planned obsolescence, but I didn't <laughs> know my baseball stadium was planned obsolescence. I found really interesting that the mayor of Las Vegas was like, uh, 
keep the A's, Oakland. Yeah. We don't want them. <laughs> They're too much of a hassle here. And part of that is because the teachers union in Nevada is yes. suing the legislature to be like, fuck you. We cannot afford our schools right now. What mm-hmm. are you doing? Right. And this is the argument that we made when we had Chris Larson on. I was like, my kid's school is a mile and a half from the stadium and has asbestos in the bathroom. Yeah. Like, what are you what are you doing here? Like we could fund childcare for everybody for the price of what they're asking for the stadium. We could pay for everybody's childcare. Right. And like, these necessary repairs that Miller Park, I'm sorry, AmFam needs. Okay, the first thing you do is build a gigantic jumbotron thing and then another one in right field where they least need one because when you sit in right field, that's where you can't see the first jumbotron. Like, okay, I see your very necessary repairs here. I- right. Okay. So the the city or the state owns the stadium. And the baseball team is the tenant, right? So if you are a landlord and the roof is leaking, as it was at Miller Park, you are obligated to repair the roof. You can't leave your tenants there paying to repair their own roof, right? But if your tenants want two giant, giant, huge screen TVs in their house and a brand new kitchen with all new appliances and fancy food stuff and all of these these other extra bells and whistles and shit, fine. But bitch, I'm going to have to raise the rent because I can't afford that. If those are the luxury items you want, it's going to cost you a little bit more money to live here. I'm sorry. But well, I, yes, I will get you a new fridge when yours breaks. I will pay for the roof when it's leaking. I will make sure that your heat is on, that your water's running, that it's a safe place to live and that you're comfortable but when you start asking me for a brand new giant screen and another giant screen, it's like, that's not really my responsibility, is it? Is that my responsibility? I don't think that it is. I so know. I know this is like comparing it like <laughs> it's. it seems to be an analogy that makes sense to me. I think, well, you mentioned gourmet food and look, they haven't brought back chef's table yet, Aaron. So I know, but they're they're getting <laughs> they're saying that it's going to get better, which is good. They because- say it every year. No, I mean, I think it just speaks to the deception at which they're willing to go to get people to fund this. And like, yeah. obviously, I spend a ton of money there. We yeah. have seen, we have seen, I spend a fuck ton of money. Dude. There. Yeah. Like, a lot. And, mm-hmm. you know, I do that because I enjoy it and love the team. And... This deal could have been better, and it sounds like the Royals deal also can be better. There's another topic that we're going to touch on later that that has – it's not as extreme, but it's just the same sort of like cutting corners, cheapening products, <laughs> and all the while, you know, demanding public funding, demanding all of these things – and at the same time, not spending money on your talent, not spending money on, and then or even making sta- the, even making the game accessible, right? Right. Like exactly. Like, Ex- Miller Miller Park has this like four ticket Sunday deal. It's four tickets, four hot dogs, four sodas, and a parking pass for sixty dollars. That's a good which deal. Is an amazing deal. Except it's deal. in the fucking nosebleed sections where nobody enjoys a game. So if you want to go and haul your kids up that little loop de loop de loop thing, which takes <laughs> up forty five minutes with young children to get up, mm-hmm. and then go stand in line for a shitty hot dog yep. and then just like not be able to see anything 
that's fine. And like, it's an event where you can take your kids out and say that you went, but it's not a thing that people are going to be like, that was great. I'm going to do that again. That's like a one time a season thing. Like we did this thing. We're done with it because you can't enjoy a game from way, 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 way up there with kids. The pricing for, for concessions, for tickets, for parking, for subscriptions to however you are choosing to access your team on TV you have mm-hmm. some options, but not, you know they're all expensive. Mm-hmm. Merchandise; those prices continue to soar. All the while, we're cheapening the product. We're shortening the fucking games. I'm not even getting three hours of baseball anymore. We're cheapening the merchandise that we're selling, which we'll talk about later. And the owners just pocket the money. You know what I mean? It's like I'm. This is just this is just another example of that. Is all I'm yeah. saying. Mm-hmm. So anyway. <sighs> While we're all mad, should we move on? Oh, let's talk about some good news. You want to talk about some good news? All right. What do we got? Brandon Woodruff. Oh, yeah. How about that shit? Hey. He's back. Uh, welcome back, Woody. I'm so excited. Did you watch that video of him talking about how happy he was? I did. He's like, I'm not. Milwaukee wasn't done with me. I wasn't done with the Brewers. <laughs> so we got it for two years for $17.5 million. He was talking about how his surgery was four months ago and it went better than expected. And he's already started a throwing program. And he's like, I'm following doctor's orders this time, though. I'm going to do exactly what he says. He's the best doctor ever. He's the best doctor in the country to do this. And I'm just going to do what he says because he's like, I know what it's like to try to go faster. And then what can happen? And he's like, if he, if I can pitch in 2024, great. And if I can't, I'm going to be ready for 2025. So all good vibes. Everybody was so happy. I love this. They didn't have to do it. I think they did because they realized it was going to be a good investment and also because other teams were willing to do it. They were willing to like be like, we'll pay you to sit out a year and recover right. for it. So I am very happy about it. Yeah, same. He's going to rehab in Milwaukee, so he's going to be close to the team. Like It's going to be great. Yeah. Yay. That is good news. Definitely. You know what else is good news? That spring training has started. Games yes. have started. Yeah. We've we seen some games. We haven't been winning them, but we've been seeing them. <laughs> <laughs> well, we've been seeing some new new guys. Yeah. Try stuff out. Mm-hmm. Gary Sanchez finally showed up. Yeah. He made a late appearance. Yeah. But he's there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What did he say? He said that his holdup with his contract wasn't from his injury in September, but from he like tweaked his wrist a couple right. of weeks ago. Mm-hmm. So, and I think Austin Nola, I think he's a Royal now. He's a Royal, yep. Yeah. yeah. And then Sal Freelick is playing third. Yeah. Which is a delight. I yes. mean, I don't know if I buy him there yet, but I love that they're trying it. Uh, okay, so in the outfield, we got Yelly, Weimer, Freelick, Mitchell, Perkins, Churio. It's like, what are we going to do? We're going to keep him around. We got to move people around. I don't know. It made sense. I'm excited. I haven't I haven't gotten to watch any I haven't gotten to really watch much because the games are on during the day when I'm at work. So I haven't gotten to witness him actually playing at third, but I'm excited about the idea of it. Yeah, his first his first time at third, the first play of the game came right to him. Mm-hmm. And he was like, Of course, because that's just how baseball works. He said right. he's like, Wow, being in the infield makes you like closer than you see how hard some of these guys actually hit. Yeah. <laughs> but I what I loved is that Pat Murphy brought in Dustin Pedroia mm-hmm. 
because he coached him at ASU and Dustin Pedroia was Sal Freelich's like hero. Yeah, yeah. Growing up. So he brought him in to like train Sal in the infield for a couple of days last year, which is so lovely. That's awesome. What a nice story that is. I love it. I think Sal could be really good. He kind of reminds me of Nolan Arnato, who was not a great third baseman at first, was like pretty average, but that dude worked and worked and drilled and practiced his ass off until yeah. he became what is a nine time gold glover now. Yeah. So, I mean, Sal put in the work. Yep. He will. No doubt about it. He's got a strong arm. He's fast as fuck. Like, I think mm-hmm. he's got a lot going for him. I think that makes sense. He had a triple today. He did? Yeah. Wow, I missed that. Yeah, he had a triple today. So that was cool. Yeah, he's fast yeah. as fuck. I'm seeing Jackson Cheerio get some playing time. The first game was really fun because everybody got up there and hit. It was like Sal Freelich let off and he got a single and then Cheerio got a single and then everybody was up there. I was like, man, here we go. Like, we're going. Yeah. No, so it was fun. It was fun. We've also been seeing a couple of new pitches out. Abner Uribe has a new pitch. I couldn't tell what type of pitch it was exactly but i know it was a breaking ball i know he's been working on it and then trevor mcgill has a new cutter he's also a new dad his baby's like four or five months old trevor mcgill so congratulations trevor mcgill yeah cool yeah so he i saw today he has a new cutter Mm -hmm. so the staff is definitely working on expanding the portfolio of the bullpen interesting which is great and then there's dl hall fighting a spot in the rotation right right I don't know. I talked to a couple of Orioles fans and they're like, we really like this guy. His changeup is good. He's like a fan favorite. So cool. I'm excited. That's great. I watched a lot of his videos today and he had his changeup is good. And he has this curve that's a little wonky, but when he nails it, it's got this like he nails this inside spot for a righty. And then if you're a lefty to like break vertical right at the last second. And we don't see a lot of lefties with a good curve like that. So he's a little wild on it and a little wonky, but that's what the pitch lab is for. Yeah, totally. So he might, I mean, he might end up in the rotation if he can bring some precision to some of those pitches. Yeah. Which is great. You know what else I always enjoy about spring training is the the Brewers' um, social media. They're killing they it. Have. Y'all are killing it. We were saying the same thing last year. I love it. I feel like this is the the most amount of time that we get to see like players' personalities. They're mic'd up. They're talking to each other. Oh, man, you know who I loved to see was Carlos Gomez. Oh, yeah. I fangirled over that picture of Carlos Gomez and Ricky Weeks for so long. It just made my heart sore. Like, as I, you know, I love Carlos Gomez. I know you do, too. Like, he and Ricky Weeks, former teammates on that 2011 Brewer squad that we Mm -hmm. love so much. And now Ricky Weeks being the associate manager of the team that they played for. And now Carlos Gomez being the special assistant to the players union president. I'm just like, oh, look at these two guys like doing cool shit. And like, I loved them together. And like, I don't know, just seeing the picture of them together. I was like, oh, my God, my heart. Like, I know. Oh, shit. So great. sweet. It was and then him and Willie and Contreras, Contreras that picture, yeah. too. I was like, oh, man. So I loved I loved to see that. I love me some Carlos Gomez. Same. Same. I anytime any guys from that team come back, I will totally. fan out of when Niger Morgan showed up at the stadium. Last yes, year. yes. <laughs> the other thing we've been seeing on the field is genitalia. Yeah, we've been seeing some balls. <laughs> <laughs> Different than the usual kind. Listen. 
people are like, Aaron, why are you complaining about this? Like you are always talking about baseball <laughs> pants and stuff like that. And I'm like, you are clearly not paying attention to the type of pants I want. We don't want see-through pants. We like players to be comfortable and nobody's comfortable with their junk showing. Like that no. promo picture of Garrett Mitchell, he's got both hands covering yes. His private parts. I've seen a lot of promo pictures of a lot of baseball players all in that stance. Come on. And another thing, I tweeted this out. Do not be sharing those pictures where like they're not the the non non promo pictures, but somebody's just bending down. Yep. You can see all their. Don't be sharing that shit. Okay. Nobody consented to be wearing like these pants and getting your picture taken and seeing their outline of their penis in public. Can you imagine going to work? And like getting ready for work and doing your stretches and then you get up and you hop on Twitter the next day and there's just that's it. That's all you see, because that's all that's all we've been seeing. Like if you have not if you have been under a rock, you don't know what we're talking about. But like literally no one is not talking about these baseball pants. Everybody is. Like, like, you know, not just the pants, the whole fucking uniform. The whole thing is awful. Awful. Do you want to give a primer on like what? what these are they're like these like i can't remember what they're called i can't even remember the term for them but they have some like fancy name do you know what it is jersey something they actually premiered them at the all-star game that's what they were wearing at the all-star game was the version of these jerseys but they were all like dark you know nautical colors so they were that was the brand that they were trying out and they're they're supposed to be like moisture wicking and they're supposed to they dry like 28 percent faster or whatever so so they keep saying like this is performance wear this isn't like the same old polyester shit like this is to keep them dry it's to keep them cool but like in the process they have they've made all these other changes to the back of the uniform some of the tweaks that they made, like moving the MLB logo off the collar down onto the jersey, therefore having to shrink the size of the players' names. Right. They look so cheap. They look so shitty. Like, I found this side-by-side of Devin Williams from last year and William Contreras from this year and just looking at the same white uniform that's supposed to look the same. It's white. It's mm-hmm. got the blue brewers in the bold, the block lettering. Um, with the yellow outline and like they look like completely different they split the w in half I saw instead that. of putting the split in between two letters and a lot of a lot of teams are complaining about how like the lettering on the front looks wonky because of how they split the lettering up their their names are smaller which which players are upset about because they're like there's some star power behind these players like they want to be recognized you know and now we can't read their names because they're too small and and the lettering is all crazy and stupid and the pants are see-through. It's just, it's a mess. And they, the only players who are like, no, these are great. I like to wear them are ones who are sponsored by Nike and they're paid by Nike to say that. And literally. to be fair, Nike did not manufacture these. These are manufactured by Fanatics. That's true. Which if you've ever had a piece of Fanatics gear, you know how cheap that shit already is. I have, dude. I bought this really cute, like, Packers whole outfit. And I got it and I was like, this is garbage. And it's it's NFL licensed garbage shit. So it cost me like 75 bucks and it didn't fit and it was see through. Mm-hmm. It's trash. It's trashy. But they are, you know, they're they're manufacturing them to the specifics of what Nike wants. And supposedly it's this new material that's supposed to be breathable, which I don't know if you're playing in Chicago in April. I don't know how breathable you want your your pants to be. I don't think I'd want to wear paper thin <laughs> pants that, that's what they were saying that like it feels like paper like i don't want paper thin pants if i'm in no. chicago in april 
And the other thing about them, okay, so the other thing about them is they're not tailorable. So, like, pitchers like their pants a very certain way and need them a certain way. Like, it's actually very important to their performance and for our, you know, viewing purposes. But, like, <laughs> now you're, like, taking away. What? Why does MLB hate pitchers? Right. So much. It's just, like, they're just fucking over pitchers every single way they can. They were like, well, we scanned the bodies of 300 players. We like scanned their bodies. And so we made these like, you can pick two off the rack. But because we scanned so many bodies, we were pretty sure we got a close fit. I'm like, these are supposed to be like tailored to the specifics of each player. Like that's the whole point. They're all shaped differently, obviously. Right. And how did you pick the players? Like you got a Bartolo Cologne versus like Zach Greinke. Right. I don't know. Now, now they can't tailor those pants. It's so dumb. It's so dumb. They don't like it. The players don't like it. They look cheap as fuck. They look really stupid. They're shiny. They're thin. Because they just, they're, everything is heat sealed on now. They're not stitched on. Right. And that, so aside from the players' uniforms, which look janky and everyone hates them, and the the players' union is getting involved. They're like, we can't fucking yeah. wear these. We're not wearing this shit. Like, you can't do this to us. Like, when we, when... The pants see-through thing really sealed the deal. People were like, all right, well, these are kind of shitty, like whatever. And the players were like, eh, these kind of look cheap. One guy said it looks like a like a jersey you'd buy at TJ Maxx. <laughs> the guys from Small Hall Baseball Podcast called them one-ply uniforms. It's <laughs> 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 like, then when we saw them all with the pants, I was like, geez, are you fucking serious? This is what you want them to wear every single day in front of millions of fans Every day. No fucking way they're going to do that. What the hell? And then they had the audacity to be like, this is the same material as last year. I know. I can't remember who tweeted that, but like multiple MLB sources are saying that these are the exact same pants we saw last year. I'm like, they are not. They're just in a different color. They're not. They were like, it's the bright lights of the studio that make them see through. Once they get out in the sun, it's totally fine. But we know that's not true because we're seeing them stretching and playing yeah. games. We did not see this level of privacy invasion last year. No, no. We would have noticed. Absolutely. We would have noticed. Like, I, what I like is that the entire baseball fandom is united in this. Like, you are attempting to gaslight us. I think yeah, it's the dude. most we've all agreed on anything. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> like, you're bringing us together in our continued frustration of MLB's burning need to milk a percentage of every single last dollar and this is this is the thing that really upsets me the replica jerseys that we're gonna buy at the team store now your christian yelich jersey that cost you 175 dollars will have no stitching on it mm-hmm. everything every patch the name the letters the numbers will be heat pressed on and you're still paying there, there's no drop in price, and it's the shitty it's material. More. It's like eighty bucks more. That's in. That's insane. Well, we don't have a choice. This is what pisses me off. Awesome. We don't have a choice. It's like, all right, okay, fine. I gotta buy it. You're not giving me a choice. The same with, well, I guess I'll pay for MLB TV, even though there's blackouts. You might as well just. You might as well buy the knockoffs now and do the illegal streaming. No shit. You know, you might as well. We're because we're not. Because there's no difference in quality now. Exactly. There's not. There's not. I just can't, I can't, I can't believe that. I'm like, really like, because it's the fans that drive the whole thing. We finance the entire fucking sport. Mm -hmm. That's it. 
and you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna charge me fucking sixteen dollars a beer, and now you're gonna you're gonna charge me more for a shittier jersey. And when I get to the ballpark, I'm gonna pay for it because I don't have a fucking choice. My hot dog is fucking twelve dollars. This is bullshit, man. I'm so mad, but I'm still gonna go. I'm still gonna go. I'm not gonna <laughs> buy the jersey though. That just like to me is like. Like, it's intentional. It's just like a big intentional fuck you. Let's see how much we can get away with. We can get away with anything. We've been shortening the game. We are charging you more for it. Everything is more expensive. We're not even letting you watch games. And you're still here. We're not even We are (laughs) such suckers. We are. (laughs) God. Fucking MLB, dude. You said the letters were smaller on, on the backs because MLB wanted its logo to be lower and bigger. I don't know if the logo is bigger, but it's not on the collar anymore. Oh, it's, it's bigger. down. Is it it's bigger? bigger? They said they definitely wanted it bigger. And my question is, why? If I were MLB, I would be so embarrassed about how my brand is being perceived right now by its own fans that I'd be like, you know what? Rip the fucking thing off. Like, we don't want to be associated with these jerseys. Like, you know, what are you? What are you? Who is who is your branding people? And what are they telling you, MLB? You're. You're doing it wrong. They don't care, man. We put Just ad patches on. on them. It doesn't matter. Those are the those are the nicest looking patches on the whole jersey or the fucking. Those quick are probably trip the only things stitched on, on so they don't fall off. <laughs> <laughs> and they're big. We <laughs> need to make room for these ad patches. And that four by four anymore is gonna be the whole back. You just gotta remember the guy's name. Just remember his face. It's easy. Everybody's a Yankee now. No yeah. names in the backs of jerseys. Just ads. That I'm like pants in the rain, dude. Ugh. Imagine playing in the rain wearing those pants. Well, they're supposed to dry faster. (laughs) (laughs) That's what they keep saying. (laughs) Rob Manfred is like, this is a really good idea. This is a good choice. Mm -hmm. He said, this is performance wear. I'm like, they're wearing belts, dude. Like, come on. This is the only sport where they wear a belt. (laughs) Like, what are we talking about performance wear? Come on. Let's see Rob Manfred perform in some of these jerseys. I don't want to see that. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, gosh. Yeah, these are... I hope that they change them. I can't believe they came out after after that picture and was like, they've always been like this, you guys. Like, you know what? We're not stupid. We've been watching. We know. Everyone in the world can see this. Everyone sees it. Literally everyone is talking about like every single news outlet is like you Google like MLB pants and it's like every everybody. No one is not talking about it. (laughs) No, they're the same. You know what? It's just the lighting's different. We changed the lighting. I'm like, you don't think they're gonna look like that under the bright ass stadium lights? Like it's a little dimmer in the stadium. We don't have to worry about it. It's the photo shoot lights that are too bright. The hell. The one thing that the Royals did right is they lobbied to get the lettering for their names, the back of their names, mm-hmm. the same size as last year. Really? Yeah. So now the lo- so now the Royals, like you could see it in the spring training game. They're like, oh, hey, look, your names don't look all tiny and weird lettering. And um, there's a website called UniWatch. Yes who like tracks a bunch of this stuff. And so they did a report. They found out that the Royals team and front office, I think lobbied MLB to be able to use larger names and a smaller logo. And they, they did it. So it's like, Oh, okay. So if you, 
if you ask them hard enough, maybe they will relent on it. Like hmm. they, they lobbied really hard on it and they like basically got a waiver on it. How long is this deal with fanatics? Like how long are we going to be putting up with this? And when will we switch over? But it's like, it's through, it's still Nike. It's like, there's still Nike jerseys. And from what I understand, and we can talk shit on fanatics as much as we want, because it is the, the shit that you buy from them is cheap as fuck. So like this tracks, but like Nike sent them the specs and they just make it. You know what I mean? Like Nike designed the uniforms and they were they were directed by MLB to move the logo, like you said. So MLB was like, move the logo. And Nike's like, all right, well, we got to make the letter smaller. And then they're like, OK, fanatics, you make them. But this is how you're supposed to make them. I don't know. I don't uh, Who's to blame yeah. here is my question. All three of them. All three. Whoever all three. let all of this go forward the whole time. And I don't know if I don't know what quality control looks like at fanatics, but I don't think. <laughs> Nike's contract included quality. Uh, clearly, it didn't right. include quality control right. in this because it's just wretched. And it's you know awful. what? It totally makes me change my whole plan. I was going to buy a City Connect from every team. Because well, the City Connects are going to look like that shit too, but right? Yeah, they're I don't know what, I don't know what they're going to do to the new City Connects. I don't even know if the old City Connects are going to change now because of this and what the new City Connects are going to look like too. But I'm not going to be buying any City Connects no. that have this sort of thing on it. So I'm stuck with the five that I have now. I was wondering that exact same thing. I was like, okay, so are they going to switch over every jersey? Or are they all going to be like that? Like every version of it, including mm-hmm. the City Connect jersey? You know what I mean? Or is the, are those... Because it's not just the the layout of the fonts and the size of the letters and shit like that. It's it's what the material is that what the jersey is actually made out of too. Right. You know what I mean? So right. that's really interesting. Mm-hmm. I have no idea, but I do know this: they're going to be trying to like get rid of their inventory for their current jerseys, their current replicas, so they can make room for this. So if you haven't done it yet, the time is now to go to the team store and buy up whatever replicas you want before. Oh that inventory gets all sold and it'll probably be discounted because they're got to get rid of it before they get the new shit in. You know what I mean? Is this how they get me to buy things faster? Is this a ploy? (laughs) And then they're going to, they're just going to be like, let's, let's freak people out for like a month and a half and get them to get rid of our old inventory. Oh my God. Clean them all up. Cause you'll be like, oh shit, it doesn't even matter that Corbin Burns isn't a brewer anymore. I'm going to, I'm going to buy this Corbin Burns, like replica Jersey that still has his name stitched on the back. Right. Cause it's worth it. And then they'll be like, just kidding. I mean, I wouldn't put it past them at this point. I know we do a lot of conspiracy theories on this show. That's a pretty... But but it's not out of the realm of possibility. Nothing is. that's not my fault. Nothing is out of the realm of possibility. (laughs) (laughs) Nothing would surprise me at this point. Oh, we fell for it. Fuck. Um, Well, I think there was maybe one thing that surprised you recently. And it was, you have had a change of heart, a very like big 180. Yes. What the, <laughs> what the, what did this motherfucker say? What did he say? <laughs> Hold on. I want to pull the exact quote up. I, know I saw it and it. I was like, I'm not going to send it to her because it was like a Friday night or something. <laughs> and I was like, this is what I, I know that this is going to like send Aaron into a rage and I don't know what she's doing tonight, <laughs> but I don't want to ruin her night. But I, I did, I did have a moment to be like, "Is she gonna let this go?" Because you've been such a big CC apologist in the past. No, I just, I just slept in. That's why it took me a long time to get to you. 
I texted it to you and I texted it to all the guys on the Another Brewers podcast. <laughs> Craig Council, big smile in his fucking Cubs uniform. And the quote is huge crowd on day one. So, you know, you're in a different place. Like, that's it. I was I was cool. I was fine. I was understanding. But seriously, like that is a personal dig at me. And I have been your biggest supporter, man. Like, Lisa just didn't hit like, yes, Aaron, let it out. Like, <laughs> this is bullshit. I'm so mad. I texted my daughter's friend's mom, who I only know because she's a Brewers fan. I'm like, this motherfucker. And she's like, when the fuck are we going there? I want to go there. And I was like, me too. And she's like, I'm going to bring the D batteries. <laughs> like, she, I was like... I'm over. I'm so mad. I was like, that's it. Maybe I needed it. Maybe I needed that. You know, like when you need you need closure from a relationship and like maybe like this is over. It's never going to be good again. And I I really needed you to just tell me. And now I know like at the very least, it definitely felt like he spent a long time being resentful of Brewers fans with that like slight little comment. This is such and- bullshit because the fans have never been shitty. The fans have always been. Good. Well, most of us. I heard it was, you know, taking it out of context, of course, the Cubs have a bigger fan base because they're in a bigger city. So there's going to be more people there. But like he didn't have to say it like that. No, it was really thoughtless in how he said it. And like there's no way to read that as a Brewers fan and not feel like he thinks that he's better than everybody which maybe he does because he's from whitefish bay which right. y'all is not milwaukee no it's not. whitefish bay like desperately wants to be a rich chicago suburb itself that's true no, no offense it to anybody from well whitefish be. bay you're all lovely people i'm sure but like craig council <laughs> <laughs> but sucks. you know you know what i mean like and so like maybe he's i don't know yeah it it wasn't nice we you know i spent all this time being like well he's mad at the front office he's mad that he doesn't get the money that he needs to get players that he can work with he's mad about the decisions that are being made it's all like within within the brewers organization and nothing to do with the fans and this just felt like a dig at like i'm like what are we talking about now dude like we can talk about money we can talk about payroll we can talk about managing but like what are you you talking about now man you talking about right we're in a different place because the crowd is bigger. Fuck you. Yeah. At, Sorry, at, we're not Chicago. At, at spring training, like spring when training. when Miller Park routinely sells out and is packed and full. Yeah. And we have some of the biggest attendance in the entire MLB, despite mm-hmm. being the smallest the market. The smallest market team. Like, right. We got on. a rabid fan What do you mean? Too. What do you mean you don't know what it's like to be in front of a big crowd at yeah. home? Yeah. Fuck Come you, on. Craig Council. What do you mean? <laughs> so pretty I'm, mad about it so i don't know i also think that as spring training has gone we've we've seen more and more of pat murphy mm-hmm. and the brewers social media have done a good job of kind of like highlighting him yeah. as well and he is so much more affable and charming than i thought he was and definitely more charming than craig council himself i was like oh this dude's got a personality that's true and i was like i guess i didn't realize that Craig Council is as bland as he is because I appreciated what he did for the team and was willing to just be like, yeah, that's just his style. But now Pat Murphy is like actually telling jokes Mm -hmm. and like being, I don't know, like funny and affable. And that's nice to see. I wonder what kind of role that like leaves for Ricky Weeks. Like was was Council and Murphy like a good cop, bad cop kind of like scenario where like one was like, 
kind of a dick mm. and stoic, and the other guy was like, I'm making the jokes. It's stupid. <laughs> I mean, it's a good theory. Does that mean that Ricky Weeks is going to have to be the stoic one? He's going to have to be the stoic one. He might be. I mean, I could see that. He said, let's fucking go let's on his first go. day, though. Yeah. So I took a screenshot of Craig Council today at the first game mm-hmm. of the Cubs playing the Brewers, and I put it on Twitter and asked everybody to give their reactions in haiku form. Mm-hmm. And we got some good ones. So I, um, I don't know if you had a chance, but I would like to read some of them Okay. to you. And then I know we have a couple of our own. This is from at Bidon Green. The trader goes south to lose the NL Central. He is such an ass. <laughs> Pretty good. Yeah, I like it. <laughs> um, yep, sums it up. Um, at C. Jiceman is fuck you craig council i badly suck at haikus he killed hank the dog (laughs) (laughs) he did not (laughs) hank too far (laughs) okay and then um the last one that i want to share is from on a bomb fan um who i think a lot of people know in brewers fandom benedict arnold Hmm. benedict to matt arnold omar narvaez (laughs) (laughs) i like that omar narvaez is hilarious (laughs) (laughs) Uh, and i'm sure we've had more since then but i haven't opened twitter so um thank you everybody for writing those and sending them in they're pretty funny i wrote a couple and i was responding to the photo because you were like respond to this like what's your reaction to this and like right. trying to not react to the whole big picture and how angry I just was a minute ago. So mine says, look at that dumb hat. <laughs> look at that gross shade of blue. Should I cry or barf? <laughs> All right, I got Here's one for you. He's so drab and dull, like a boiled <coughs> potato. <laughs> Why didn't I see? <laughs> Um, I never thought that council had a punch me face <laughs> till I saw that hat. <laughs> <sighs> he doesn't go here. Whitefish Bay ain't Milwaukee. Go fib yourself, Craig. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't go here. <laughs> oh, I only made two. I should have let you go first. But. Oh, that's right. I have one more for you. He gave us some champs. His hair was never that great. I'm sorry, Aaron. <laughs> what? <laughs> Listen. <laughs> you can be upset about a lot of things. <laughs> it's cathartic to write some of that. It, it feels, is. It feels good. no i needed to let it go that probably helped me for him to say that bullshit maybe that's why he did it maybe he's like i know some people are just hanging on i'm just gonna make myself the villain which we i called it i told you he was i know i know i remember you were right i have it in my notes here it says craig council was the villain the whole time this isn't my notes about what we're gonna talk about on the podcast today (laughs) it's right there in my notes lisa was right jeff passan was tweeting lisa was right (laughs) 
It was about me. I saw that. I saw that. <laughs> they all thought it was about that Lisa who called Cody Bellinger getting yep. tired, but it was actually about me. <laughs> Saying Craig Council was the villain. <laughs> oh man. Can we can we talk really quick about Louis Sirius? I know this is getting kind of long, but I gotta talk about this. Okay. So Louis Sirius is he's a mariner now, but he's not on the projected roster. And reports are coming in that he came back from the offseason where he was playing some not-so-great ball in Mexico out of shape mm-hmm. and still injured. And, look, you, kn- you know how much I love him. And anybody who follows his Instagram could have told you that he was going to come back out of shape. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm sorry, but it's true. Other guys are, like, showing themselves in the gym, working out. Luis has been partying in the off season, I swear, like every other story of his is a picture of like a big ass plate of pasta and some wine, and the rest are like glamour shots of himself. I don't know yeah. if you've been seeing them, but mm-hmm. like obviously, I don't mind the glamour shots, but you have to put in the work too, and he's not doing it. Do you remember last year we noticed that like something was off with his teeth? Yeah, they're like I don't know what that was, like stained from like chew, yeah, or something. It was it was nasty, but like. I don't know. He fixed that. But it just seems like this offseason, he's been living like the stylish life of an athlete without necessarily training like an athlete. Yeah. And I'm like, you got DFA last year, dude. You got to come and bring it. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. I don't know. Like Garrett Mitchell today, who was like, I worked my ass off. My entire goal last year was to get back on the roster by the end of the season. And I did it. Yeah. And I didn't want to go into the offseason with a questionable injury. I wanted to be ready. So I like took a vacation in the offseason and then I got ready to go to be here for spring training. And like comparing that with Luis, who like is still just posting pictures of pasta. Like, dude, do you actually still want to be here? And it really bums me out. Like, as a big fan of his, yeah. that's whose City Connect jersey I have from right. Milwaukee. It's his jersey. Like, it killed it. I, I hope he's not going through something, and I hope he pulls his shit together. But I don't know if he's gonna be around in a major league uniform much longer. Yeah, I don't know. It's a bummer. It is a bummer. So many plates of spaghetti. <laughs> We got so many rookies. We thought we had a lot of rookies last year, but we got even more this year. And so, like, every guy who wants to be a part of the Brewers team this year has to fucking – they got to get there. They got to work their asses off and make it happen. I don't remember the exact quote, but Matt Arnold said something earlier today about it. Like, they're all competing. We're going to see who gets there. There's all these guys. We're going to see who gets to do it, who's going to break through, who's going to have the breakthrough – and get to actually compete this year. And because a lot of guys are vying for, you know, not a whole lot of spots. So that kind of drive is, you gotta have it. You gotta have it. Anyway, that's an aside. I just wanted to mention it because I am a little worried about what's going on with him. Yeah. And that's a bummer. Like, cause we, we definitely have guys who former brewers who were, we've watched them move from team to team, you know, we just went to the Red Sox. Now he's a Mariner and stuff. And like, it's nice to check in and be like, Brent Suter's doing really well. Everyone's yeah. really excited about Brent Suter. And to be like, oh, what's Louis Sirius up to? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's yep. kind of a bummer. Mm-hmm. Totally. I think the only other piece of news we have is that through a highly scientific poll on Instagram and Twitter, we have determined who the new <laughs> Brewers resident cutie is going to be since Adrian Hauser was traded away. We each threw in a nomination and then we decided to put it up for a vote. 
And those two were Aaron Ashby and Andre Monasterio. And I'll tell you, it was close for a while, especially on Instagram. It was really, really close. And the person who won on Instagram won by one vote. Only one? Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was a little bit more of a runway on Twitter, but I combined them all and did all the mathy things that I like to do. Mm-hmm. And with a total of 61% of the vote, we can definitively say that Andrew Monasterio is the new Brewers resident cutie. All right. That's going to have to be the little tag we add every time we mention him. Mm-hmm. Like we did last year with Adrian Hauser. He built, he's got built this year, though. He said he added 12 pounds of muscle. Listen, all I'm going to say about Andre Monasterio is resident hottie. Could be resident hottie. Resident hottie might not apply here. Without giving away who was my nomination, I feel like Aaron Ashby could be the resident cutie. (laughs) 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 And then Andre Monasterio is clearly the resident hottie. I don't know. Freddie Peralta is the resident hottie. Never mind. That's that's the only thing that I have. Never mind. Yeah, president. I mean, he's the sausage race winner 2023. But we don't have to give him that moniker every time we talk about him. <laughs> I don't know. So for he now... He needs to go on his baseball reference page. <laughs> He's going to block us, dude. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, right. Yeah, so Andrew is the new Brewers resident cutie because that's what our followers voted for. I think that's all we got for this episode. Uh, we're a month out from opening day. Brewers' first series is going to be against the Mets in City Field on March 28th. We'll probably talk again between now and then. I'm sure other things will come up. Maybe they'll make some adjustments to those uniforms. Maybe Blake Snell will get signed somewhere or Joey Votto or Matt oh. Chapman. Like, come on. I feel like if they're not, we just have to do an entire episode dedicated to all of this. Yeah. All of what's happening. I mean, I could just talk about Joey Votto for an hour and a half. Did you see he's not going to put his shopping carts away anymore? I did see that. He's making threats. (laughs) (laughs) So good. Uh, But yeah, I'm sure we'll talk between now and then. So we'll keep you posted. Mm -hmm. Well, thanks for joining us for another episode. Don't forget to subscribe so you never miss an episode. And of course, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. And we are always around on social media. We're on Twitter at Brewers Babes and on Instagram at Brewers underscore Babes. Like Aaron said, we'll probably be back in a few weeks before opening day. Bye, babes. Bye, babes. Bye, babes.